0: Traders are looking at it going, look how tight the market is, I am not going to be short here, I can't possibly think of being short flat price. They're just being stubborn against the backdrop of all the things that drive markets these days in the outright price. And uh, so it could just be a repeat, you know, the stubborn people tend to be the ones that hold on the most and then have the most aggressive stopouts. Hello and welcome to another episode of World of Oil Derivatives. I'm Greg Newman, Group Chief Executive of Honest Capital Group, and today I'm joined in person with Martha, James and Vincent. So this week is International Energy Week, formerly known as International Petroleum Week or IP Week, where oil market participants across the globe come and meet. Nothing too crazy has been announced, but this is the time where we usually expect something funky to happen in markets and these times, believe it or not. So we are still on the lookout for unexpected volatility. As for the market state, we just can't shunt out of this range once again in Brent futures, yet the underlying markets and niche futures are putting on quite a show. For the outright price, it has been a quarter of diametrically opposed forces canceling each other out so far, with crude markets continuing to strengthen product differentials reaching peak volatility whilst macro market sentiment is sceptical at best we are in a bullish market regime for oil there can be no doubt but as is the case with modern markets where and how you reflect this trade is the challenge so vincent can you start us off
1: of course so it's been another range bound albeit less bullish slightly bearish week in Brent futures so crude prices had come off from around $84 down to the low 80s where it found some support on Monday. Initially it was off the back of, you know, weakening demand sentiment, some profit taking flows on the CFTC data in the most recent uh, most recent week it was seen that actually there was some addition of shorts in Brent crude futures. That was the highest addition um, over the last four weeks. So there's a bit more a uh, bit more opportunist, opportunistic short sellers wanting to enter at the top, but as Brent comes off to the 80s, there's still some level of support. And that actually had fed into more of the niche futures markets, the data physical market actually. So the DFLs, um, the data Brent versus forward Brent had been coming off substantially from since last Thursday, but actually found better support on Monday. So if you look at it in isolation, it has been on a very bearish trend. But if you look at it within the range of the whole month, it had been tremendously bullish and only recently it's been just a bit less bullish. So we definitely are still in a bullish regime, but it seems like the market is looking for more nowadays to push this up, especially with the macro sentiment seen as as of interest rate cuts will be delayed. So it's a confluence of both bullish factors you have to geopolitical side versus the bearish macro.
0: Yeah, once, one thing that's interesting for me, like really interesting is all that you're saying on the Brent futures is one thing in terms of the outright price. But seeing the way the market's reacting on Brent spreads, which is having a knock-on effect to the rest of the market, if you really have been watching it very closely, we have gotten to very high physical differentials in the North Sea market. So we were printing roughly around $2.25 per barrel uh, on the physical differential, which means that's the premium on, on top of the spot market benchmark. So that's very, very strong. But people are unsure whether that's going to follow through into the time spreads into expiry. And It gets all very technical and complicated, but ultimately it was so interesting to see the market kind of short, uh, short covering rally, then gets long, then a very strong performance in time spreads, in benchmark differentials and a bit of the case in Brent futures. Yet in the last week, as you say, it's been a bit less bullish because cargo started to come in on the offer side in these like tender windows that are used to set the price. We had March delivered cargoes, the end of March delivered cargoes coming in from the US and some local grades and it weakened that differential but then once once they got bought, everything rallied back up again so the volatility is being like made by one or two or maybe three cargoes and that's affecting the entire world's oil price so it's just yet another reminder that this marginal barrel in this relatively small location is incredibly important for the world's uh, pricing of oil so The Brent expiry is, um, I want to say Wednesday, or Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. And um, this is when we start to see for um, April loading cargoes, you know, what is the appetite to have them given that they're still a month and a bit away before they load. It's a really, really important time. And I'm just positive that the markets are watching that um, intently, because I think a lot of people are now long the time spreads across markets, they're long in general in oil markets. So If there's going to be a surprise, it could be that, you know, the North Sea market gives up and with maintenance around the corner, you know, that was a big reason for being bearish, um, you know, before the last uh, rally of the last few weeks. Could that could that now have been something too early? And actually that's when the market starts to price it in. Sorry, now is when the market starts to price it in. As in April loading barrels, refineries don't want because they're doing ma- they're, they're undergoing maintenance and March cargoes. And suddenly we get a big collapse when the whole market's long and that will definitely feed its way through into Brent futures. So that's the type of volatility we're keeping a really, really keen eye on. Um, just to finish that off, if you look at all the, the product crack markets, product differentials, propane markets, NGLs, pet chems, Yes, they have their own dynamics, but undeniably this rally in the last few weeks has been very correlated across all markets. So like a retracement of that uh, move will by definition uh, should have a big impact on the rest of the products as well. So it's a really important time. But in terms of statistics uh, Martha could you give us a bit of a summary key ones?
2: Uh, Yeah of course Um, so just crude wise um, the EIA stats released last week we saw a crude build in the states of 3.5 million barrels compared to the 3.75 million barrel predicted Um, the Cushing crude's up 741,000 barrels refinery utilisation is still lagging the expected rate. It's at Flat compared to it's at zero percent increase compared to last week estimated 0.5 percent increase so we're not seeing that pick up although the inputs have increased a, you know a little bit thirty two thousand barrels a day
0: okay moving on to refinery margins then what's been what's been the talk there.
2: Um, so week on week in Europe, we saw an improvement of one dollar twenty-five. This is stemmed mostly down due to the um, the weakness in the data structures you guys have mentioned, but also we've seen pretty interesting moves in um, gasoline and gas oil, so light and heavy. Um, starting with the heavy in gas oil, we've seen you know real weakness in prices poor European demand technically the prices are heading lower and lower they're seeing lower highs and they're trending down the Cape of Good Hope ships well the ships diversed around the Cape of Good Hope are finally arriving in Europe and so there's more supply and then um, in the more physical the barges premiums are down and we've seen a little bit of Belgian wholesalers selling which like the wholesale wholesaler movements are quite like indicative of um, like general appetite so that's that's not great. Interestingly, I looked a bit at the um, American refinery margin this week because basically across the whole distillate complex, well, across the whole gas oil complex, it's been really, really weak across all regions. But heating oil especially has been really, really bearish. So in terms of like stocks that we were just saying, even with distillates seeing a 4 million barrel drop in stocks the um, was about double the expectations. There was like essentially no support given to heating oil from this even with refineries and turnaround it's not seeing any support so it's just a really bearish feeling across the distillate complex like across all of the regions
0: yeah that's actually uh very interesting to hear um and i guess another indication that we know the market got very long product differentials in general when we talked about it last week mm. uh and that kind of reaction to these things um you know with refineries refinery outages uh to still not move upwards is pretty bearish thing and shows you it's very oversaturated so Kind of another point to add on what I was saying before, which is if there's going to be volatility, it could be a bit of a bit of a, um, retracement. And I think uh, like when you talk to the traders, a lot of the way the refinery margin or refinery product markets are trading right now is as if there's going to be huge refinery outages. And on the one hand, that's clearly like viable because there's been the whiting, there's been uh, one recently, Grangemouth, um, other European refiners, And we're only going to get hotter this year. And that's where you get refinery fires. So it's not ridiculous to price these things in. But if they don't happen, you've got a very heavily weighted long market that will be under serious pressure, basically. Um, Okay, Um, what about the macro markets, James? What have we got to watch? What's been going on?
3: Well, in the last week, really, the big news was the NVIDIA earnings came out and massively beat the market. Equities. So the NASDAQ, the S&P jumped again to new all-time highs. On the back of that, we finally saw the Nikkei making an all-time high back um, after 34 years after its previous peak in 1989. Without a doubt, though, these stocks in the US, the tech stocks, AI stocks are getting pretty expensive. Forward PEs for the top 10 tech stocks are now at 40 times earnings compared to just 26 times in 2000. Another piece of data, um, important data, actually came out overnight. Japan's CPI was expected to continue falling. It peaked just over 4%. It's expected to come in overnight 1.9% year-on-year, but actually surprised to the upside at 2.2%. So what we've seen now is the OIS market is now expecting the Bank of Japan to raise rates either March or April.
0: And this is a scenario where this is kind of bullish, raising rates in China, whereas everywhere else it's kind of well, it depends, but as in, because it's a bit more of a return to normality with the rates that have been negative for so long, it's actually been seen as quite bullish equity markets, isn't it?
3: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. In Japan, yeah, bullish equity markets. Nikkei has been pushing high when the NVIDIA earnings help push it to all-time highs. And what does that do for the wider Asia region, which just needs all the support it can get right now, it seems? the problem is outside that we're still seeing weakness in china. Okay. Um, house prices came out lower again uh, last week and also the 30 year bond reached all-time highs the bond price which is showing there's uh, there's no confidence in a return of a sign of strength in the chinese economy.
0: but again we've talked about this getting to the stage where it's got to be priced in at some point is there just still no real evidence of less bullish things sorry less bearish
3: things at least or absolutely it seems like the markets are in limbo we're okay. seeing the same in the us Employment's strong, we're not seeing any deterioration there. Manufacturing's in slight contraction, but again no deterioration, but again no bounce. Mm. So it seems like we've been in this situation for two or three months. The market's waiting to see either bounce or contraction. The cuts that were being aggressively priced into the US have been unwound and the central bankers continue saying we're gonna stay with rates higher for longer. What
0: do you think? And this is a little bit of a tangent, but you know when you talk about Nvidia, you know, people talking about the um, comparison with tech stocks and this tech bubble and i actually read a few things when you put this out there uh you know at the end of last year there was a lot of talk about this comparing the two um to me the whole point of a bubble is you kind of don't know it's there so when people are talking about it and in 2023 we were promised a recession uh from a lot of different um you know billionaires investors and uh, politicians everyone was predicting it and it didn't happen it just seems more and more like the democratization of information and understanding of equity markets and macro markets and moving money around. Because people are so worried about there being a bubble, it's been very, very much talked widespread. And the latest one, again, is that we could be in another bubble. They're comparing the recent events and recent bubbles and then comparing where we are now and say, how can you not think we're a bubble? And there's all this kind of attitude to understanding where we are, where the whole point is bubbles before people didn't know. So in a way you can prepare for these things. And the fact that everyone is so prepared and in wait and see mode, doesn't that kind of tell you that it's unlikely to be a recession because people are pricing it in or people are at least not exacerbating bubbles. Do you see what I mean?
3: I do, I think with the, the equity markets, for instance, I think a big difference here is now, as you said, Everyone has access to the information, but now retail traders have access to the information in yes. real time. And retail traders behave differently in the fact they don't want to miss out instant mm. gratification and mm. they want to chase these, these price moves.
0: But it can work the other way. They can be get very spooked. And I think this kind of you know, flood away from uh, you know, risky assets, it, it, we do see it. it does, there are quite a few risk-off moves these days that don't follow through into like, bursting bubble type moves. I mean that that's a very superficial observation I'm not trying to put you on the spot but it's just something I've I feel like we're starting to notice and it's it's just a good thing I think everyone's at least talking about it should at least be aware there's not something out of the blue you know in the in past we've had a lot of people saying no you told me this was going to be a safe investment you told me this was all going to be okay and I've lost my pension feels like less of that now people have more ownership people can at least aware of what's going on anyway that's a superficial observation I hope I'm right <laughs> because yeah you don't want people unaware and, that, and that's uh, that's kind of a recent phenomenon um power to the people okay so uh googling oil vincent what's been going on
1: yeah so uh recently is took uh, more more standard headlines but but more interest as um as people aware that this is in the context of ip week have a recent one from bloomberg oil rises on us physical market strength china's demand hopes so it's about, about the bullish narrative uh, going into Monday, because as I mentioned earlier, Monday morning was a bit bearish, but turned to sentiment became more be- bullish towards the end of the day. And uh, people have been attributing that to strengthen the physical market, as well as um, recent, uh, you know, for all the talk about uh, being, being bearish on China, the recent Chinese New Year, the holiday, there was a massive uh, travel boom. Of course, anecdotally, of um, it's always that time of the year, you know, um, during the holidays when there's a public holiday, bank holiday, all of my Chinese friends are all out somewhere traveling domestically. Um, uh, there's always going going somewhere interesting, so that's the time everyone travels because people don't get much time off on during the other times of the year. So when there is a holiday, um, this is pretty much like for for like working people, It's pretty much the only time people can get time off to actually go elsewhere, um, go away from their own cities. So in that sense, of course, it will look like there's a lot of demand during that time. And then at the same time, we're also seeing strength in the Dubai crude market. In the physical, um, uh, there's been some local refiners snapping up more cargo since the mid-February holiday, as well as increasing term supplies for um, Saudi Arabia to March. Mm. So there's some optimistic signals in terms of consumption. I don't know how long this can sustain itself for, but it adds to this, um, this bullish narrative. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I'm and one uh, another one, actually, so also from Bloomberg, it's a looming Venezuelan sanctions give a bump to Colombian oil prices, but although this is more focused on the South American market, it still comes down to. Um, what we have been talking about in the last few months about the impact of lifting Venezuela sanctions, but has been very much uh, very very short-lived because it seems like these are going to be resumed once again in uh, in April, and this will therefore induce a bit more um, heavy sour demand for maybe in North America or in the Middle East, mm. which could be another bullish factor for Dubai crude too. Yeah, I
0: mean when the sanctions got relieved, first thing happened it seemed was the fuel oil residual fuel oil market. Um, weakened considerably so that's like the ship you know very close to shipping fuel uh, and kind of tarmac and bitumen that that really uh, sold off quite aggressively and i guess gone better bid now and this is the opposite right A tightening of that kind of complex so it's good news for saudi arabia for opec because the market share that's been going to the u.s that's been going to um, russia increasingly um, this is a chance to get a bit back so if anything i can see this being perfect timing for opec because april is around the meeting right so whatever they're sanctioned against venezuela can be kind of brought back online from other opec members it might be marginal but it's still you know every little helps Uh, so that is definitely worth saying but i've got to say like those you know interesting articles it's been an interesting couple weeks but i don't know seems to be turning down quite a bit and you do tend to get like a bit of a from the market it's people trading ultimately to, uh, at least in the otc market of course there's a lot of algorithmic mo- uh, moves as well um, but it seems like the pulse of the market is kind of slowing down and there's not a huge amount of things to get upset about i mean we didn't even mention red sea there and that's obviously been going on for a hell of a long time so i would say a more on the side of bearish volatility going forward at the same time a collapse would be a high, highly volatile, volatile event, but it just doesn't seem the market is long term set up for a collapse or much for a rise either way. So we've just got to keep an eye on it. But I just thought that was worth noting because it's, yeah, not saying you're boring, but it wasn't that, uh, <laughs> nothing that crazy going on. So who's doing the trade idea this week? Martha?
2: Martha. Martha. Um, So this week we're looking at a fuel oil trade idea to sell the 3.5 barges crack, which is the highest sulfur fuel oil crack um, for Europe. Um, We're looking at financial and physical reasons for this um, trade. Firstly, we're seeing really, really high stock levels in the ARA, which you can see on screen now is the highest, well... Essentially, the highest in like two years, and that's kind of bringing about a bit more of a um, weak sentiment into the market. Um, we've seen um, more more cargos um, into Europe from um, the from like the West and the East. Um, and financially we've seen the market kind of flip into April from March so we've seen good trade house selling in both the 3.5 barges crack which is the European high sulfur fuel oil crack and the 380 crack which is the high sulfur fuel oil crack for Asia um, by trade houses in particular Um, so we'll put those graphs up now as well so this is um, important, as we mentioned earlier, to kind of keep an eye on the liquidity and volatility here. As if this is like a European trade, we may be seeing a lower liquidity due to the um, IP week. And also it would be if we see any gapping down in crude, that would also be um, a, you know, a good factor for this trade as well. As that's such a heavy product, it could be quite closely correlated.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting one because so you're saying stocks are really high and we are starting to see selling and an overly weighted long market as well or
2: i think outright we're seeing the market flip like the momentum of like the seven day markets trading split is beginning to it's been quite evenly split actually recently
0: but i think um if it's about fundamentals you know talking about the spread so that's the physical differential into pricing right if you carry into pricing Mm -hmm. so i think about april is the maintenance situation right in europe so the stocks might be high but of course that's a good thing for refiners as they go into maintenance Um, They're going to start drawing on those stocks. They can still basically uh, honor supply agreements not having to run. So you'd expect stocks to get drawn down. And uh, just looking at the trader chat this morning, I was just flicking through it as you were talking there. The Russian government is going to impose a six-month ban on gasoline exports starting from March the 1st and increasing um, standards for diesel fuel exchange sales to 16%. So in general, this seems like responsive to... Probably the U- Ukrainians bombing Russian refineries and it's you know diesel and gasoline hugely important to the war effort and will continue to be so as always as is always the case for wars for the last like hundred years. So I think that's probably a response to that. And there's outages and there's maintenance coming. So I can see the logic in the trade technically, and I can see. It- probably could be quite a good trade it's just that would be the number one thing to look out for but at the same time for these things are happening and you know the fuel markets can be more than aware these things are happening and it's still weakening it's actually quite bearish sign isn't it so it could have just outperformed overperformed, and kind of overly priced in um, these kind of things we're talking about so it's quite an interesting one Um, so yeah thank you for that Uh, what about just before we move on um, you know Brent do you want to give any views on that Uh, Vincent because there's a forecast you guys put out this week that was actually more towards the bear side.
1: It was towards the bear side and be yeah. So that one had a target price of seventy-seven dollars per barrel. Okay. So it is relatively speaking, more on the extreme side of things, reflecting a bearish view because of um, anticipated uh, bearish macro sentiment um, momentum as of, as of Monday morning was a bearish one. We expected, for example, um, we expect. Sorry, so we we were seeing that Brent was trending down towards the low 80s and from the CFTC data, it was initially showing that a lot of, it wasn't because of longs taking profit, it was more short sellers coming in. Yeah. And so with longs still in the market, it meant that there's a lot of room for profit taking flows and should prices f- fall below $80, then this would trigger p- potentially algo CDA selling flows, mm-hmm. as well as more people taking profit which meant that volatility could increase in the short term on the bear side and if um, you know if inflation data was uh, quite high higher than expected then this would uh, be another bearish factor which would um, add on to the existing yeah. bearish momentum. I
0: see what you're talking about it's it's a it's a shift if it can't quite shift up and I can you know we can almost guarantee the crude market being as bullish as it is right now um, North Sea market being as tight as it is there's going to be people positioning long in the outright price and probably quite stubbornly so saying you know the market's strong i'm going to be long here so you've got that against the backdrop of increasing bearish momentum yeah purely technical and then a rush of selling flow could come in once yeah there's something on the red sea uh tensions easing israel palestine hasn't been talked about again last week or so those tensions is anything kind of risk off uh I, I completely see your point if that comes into the market and it's people who are long who are having to sell or forced to sell or starting to see an easing of what we're seeing in the crude market and so selling on that basis either way you look at it mm-hmm. that could trigger a bit of momentum so no it's logical but I think the spreads for the time being it's all about the front time spread for um, Brent's which expires as we said on Thursday that's getting towards a dollar per barrel which is very strong WTI front spread went out very strong on its last expiry and it converts to a cash spread, i.e. like the physical trading um, spread. And that was very, very strong. Uh, So that's the domestic US market is very strong, um, despite, you know, refineries being offline to some extent. So as they come roaring back, uh, it's it's, going to get just very interesting in general. But yeah, as is always the case, I mean, this has been such a common theme traders are looking at it going look how tight the market is i am not going to be short here i can't possibly think of being short flat price they're just being stubborn against the backdrop of all the things that drive markets these days in the outright price and uh so it could just be a repeat you know the stubborn people tend to be the ones that hold on the most and then have the most aggressive stopouts so yeah okay our poll last week was which ai stock would you like to buy right now <laughs> so uh that was mm-hmm. clear winner nvidia 48 percent against microsoft google and um Super microcomputer Not heard of that one, James.
3: Uh, That had an aggressive move. It went in the first uh, three weeks of uh, January. It went up about 300%. Yeah. And then suddenly sold off 30% in one day, just Mm. uh, middle of last week. Interesting. Okay. Well,
0: I think we can summarize it as, you know, if you do have access to Brent expiry, uh, watch that. If you don't have access to it, we're trying to solve that. Maybe on Twitter or X, you'll be on X, publishing talking about it commentating on it no of course that's the plan so yeah <laughs> tune in to vincent's twitter or the conix's twitter uh and then yeah and then the red sea the announcements the macro situation um i think vincent makes a good point ultimately any easing of tensions any it's, it seems to be skewed that way so it's it's a it's a kind of risk to the downside so it's about um yeah talking about your how you're trading your risk right now if you're going to be long it's got to be with structure right it's got to be with time spreads with flies with some key differentials outright price just doesn't look like the one that will perform reliably and if you're looking at it from a sharp point of view it's been a poor return on investment being long the outright versus being out uh, long time spreads etc so that's that so we'll leave it there uh thanks everyone for coming in person uh, Nice to see everyone in the studio like this for the first time and it's not the first time that's not true anyway um, and uh, yeah we've got uh, more interesting podcasts on the way of course new market ones but more leadership ones so please as ever like subscribe please follow we're getting very very close to that thousand subscriber mark so who wants to be number a thousand and uh, I think uh, there's a cake in the background waiting for that to happen so uh, <laughs> if you want to support us click that like and subscribe uh, if you don't want to support us, I guess you would do the opposite. But <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, and uh, see you soon.